can only ever be where you are right now. What is your podcast? It's the major investment in your life, right? The journey will always be your journey. Yo, what's up, my friends? It's Adam here from the Bottleship Podcast. Welcome to episode 95, How to Avoid Becoming the Needy Mr. Nice Guy. Now, this tasty bottle is brought to you by Bottleship.com, where you guys can pick up my ebook, The Crash Course to Kick-Ass Day Game, get your day game sorted, quick little action guide that'll get you moving. You can also book one-on-one Skype coaching, where we create action plans to dive into your limiting beliefs. We can dive into your consciousness. We can dive into all the things that you wish to achieve in this life, create action plans, to make sure you're actually moving forward and not wasting your time in this life. If you're interested in ongoing packages, that's something that I do quite regularly and quite frequently, and there's a lot of benefits to doing that in terms of priority booking times, priority text and date support that I can only do for my ongoing uh, clients. So inquire within. And also, the boot camp. If you guys want to dive into that path of illumination in your social side of your temple, get the freedom of choice in your dating life, finally get that shit handled. You know, the boot camp is the most immersive experience possible. And also, speaking of the March 15th to 16th boot camp down in Melbourne, Australia, there's one spot remaining on that. I've got some more availability around March as well. So hit me up with a message on bodoja.com in the boot camp section. You can send me an inquiries there. We'll dive in. I give you guys the details. It's good. And yeah, all brought to you by Bodger.com. Now, if you guys would like to support this podcast, you can do so by donating anything you wish through the PayPal link, paypal.me forward slash A-D-A-M-O-O-I, Adamui. And I'm extremely grateful for anything that you guys send to support this thing and keep it going. It blows me away. So thank you so much. Now, in this podo, we dive into a scenario in which a guy is looking to dive deeper on one girl, but he's worried about losing himself and losing himself and succumbing to the dreaded Mr. Nice Guy vibe and how to avoid that and because it's something that he's been afflicted with in other relationships in his past we dive into what it means to be able to care for a girl with not being attached for her what it means to live your purpose in life have your life hierarchy in the correct order in which that you can best service all the relationships in your life to make sure you do not succumb to these needy mentalities there's so much good stuff in this there's tactics we talk about the emperors of past we talk about Hammurabi. we talk about montezuma we talk about emperor feichi and their, har- their harems of ten thousand women and concubines and all this stuff it got real good it was, there was some crazy shit that went down this bottom so without further ado dive in i'll see you guys at the end <laughs> What's up, my friends? It's Adam here. Welcome back to the BDP. Uh, we're on in episode 95 here, and we're going to be talking about not losing yourself to the demons of neediness, to the demons of Mr. Nice Guy vibe. And if you are actually maybe diving in on one girl a little harder, but you have been speaking to another girl, should you completely stop talking to that other girl? We've got some context here uh, from a man, Kev, who's uh, sent me a pretty awesome email, very well written out. And... Yes, yes, here we go. So I feel like we're coming pretty hot right now because I've just had my banana and matcha. Now for the matcha team, the matcha fan, this is not matcha in this bowl right now, which is like the fourth week in a row or something like that. But it's because this week I've already had my matcha today. This is the old uh, ginger water, of course. Matcha on So yes, I'm feeling really good. Feeling really good. Had a great uh, video come out this week earlier, uh, just actually yesterday, yesterday morning on advice to virgins first date. Uh, it was a late night session. It was very raw. The feedback on it was tremendous. I thank you guys for that, especially on Instagram as well and the DMs. Shout out to Ui Tang One, Double O Y Tang One. Get there if you're not there. And yeah, so that's that's all. I think that's all the housekeeping there is. We're on episode 95, getting up there to old Hondo. And so I'm going to read out this guy's email. We're going to talk about this neediness thing. I haven't really even looked at this guy's email too much. I feel like I'm coming a little bit blind. Sometimes I like to do that. Like, I, I normally read the email before I do it. It's not that I think about it too much. It's always raw in that way. But even less so today. I've, even, I've looked at it even less. So here we go. Kev says to me, actually, there's a whole bunch of context before his actual story or his question, so to speak. So I'll cut that and just get to the, get to the main meat. He says, hey, Adam. For about a bleh, hold on. For about a month now, I've been talking to this girl in brackets C. We'll just call her C from a dating app that we've been hitting it off really well. I'm still casually talking to another girl in brackets Y, as we'll call her Y as well. But C has been starting to catch my eye more lately. Last night was our second time seeing each other. We were in the city with a big group of her friends for a few parties. 
me being naturally outgoing, it was a definitely a fun time with dancing, drinking, pizza, and plenty of making out whenever her and I had the chance, lol. Based on what I'm seeing with C so far, she's definitely the type of girl I'm interested in relationship-wise. We were both straightforward with our intents and put out the fact that we're seeking a long-term thing, so she knows what I want, as do I with her. However, as I get deeper and deeper with C, my biggest fear is losing who I am now by becoming infected, sorry, by becoming infected with the neediness slash nice guy BS again. Let me say that again. So it's, it's because the mic's halfway in my face and it's a long message. I mean, I just want to, for my own mind, I want to say that again. My biggest fear, there we go. My biggest fear is losing who I am now by becoming infected with the neediness slash nice guy BS again. In the past, I've had many problems with showing a girl that I care, dot, 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 possibly a little too much than I wanted to and ultimately killing the interest she had. Fast forward to today, I'm definitely a lot more grounded and centered from when I was in my late teens into early 20s, but those traits still try to control me at 26. Is there any way for me to show C that I care without turning into that dreaded needy nice guy? Despite the deeper bubble brewing with C, should I keep still keep an open communication with Y and other potential girls to avoid the neediness slash nice guy traits from taking over? Looking forward to hearing from you soon, Adam. Take care slash Kev. Okay, wow, wow, that was a um, that was a longer message than I thought it was to read. Um, I got I got tripped up there for a second because the mic is halfway in my face when I'm reading this because of the angle of the laptop. So it's like I'm, I'm half seeing the mic, I'm half seeing the message, and for longer messages, it just fucks with your eyes. Anyways, yeah, quite a message. I actually I really appreciated this, and we could have actually done an entire late night session on this, but I felt like a. Uh, I want to cap those videos at roughly around 30 minutes. I feel like we need more than 30 minutes to address what Kev is dishing me up here. So if we track back, because there's really two parts of his question here. There's really two parts. The first one, quite a deep one, is his biggest fear is losing who he is now by becoming infected with the neediness slash nice guy BS again. You know, in the past, he's had problems with showing a girl that he cares, possibly a little too much which ultimately killed the interest she had for him. You know, is there a way for him to show that he cares about turning into a dreaded, into the dreaded need nice guy? I guess that's the question. So let's start off with the question and we'll mushroom out of that. Absolutely. Absolutely, Kev, there is a way to show a girl that you care without falling victim, so to speak, to the neediness, to the Mr. Nice Guy vibe. And the way to do that is by assigning your life hierarchy in its correct order by constructing your life hierarchy in such a way that what is at the top is at the top or what should be at the top is at the top and what should be at the top, what do you think? What do you think should be at the top? If you know my content and I know you do, then you know the answer to this. But for those who don't, let's spell it out. In your life hierarchy, your purpose in life should come above all else. That includes your family members, that includes your sexual relationships, that includes your, uh, your physical, your fitness, that includes your mental development, that includes anything and everything in this life that is not named why you wake up in the morning. That is not 100% the reason for why you choose to live. What it is you're doing in this life, your mission, your reason for getting up. If that isn't the correct position in your hierarchy then it's very difficult from what I've seen for the neediness and Mr. Nice Guy vibes to become an affliction. Because from this is just a commonality. From all the people that I've seen, and it's not just guys as well, you know, I was referred to as the Mr. Nice Guy vibe, but I was actually speaking with a girl on this the other day. And uh, you know, she was reaching out to me on the gram, talking to me about how she feels like it's the, it's the reverse pedestooling. You know, when we talk about pedestooling, and I did a whole thing on this on Instagram two weeks ago, that we often think of um, guys as just pedestooling girls. But it actually happens both ways. And for girls that pedestal guys, it's the same thing, the pedestooling mentality. And that's what Mr. Nice Guys are best at. Mr. Nice Guys are best at pedestooling the girl. And for both guys and girls... When you get into that pedestooling mentality, essentially what you're doing is that you have forsaken your life's purpose and now substituted that with someone else and you have made someone else your purpose. So of course, 
you are going to become extremely needy. You are going to fly high with that Mr. Nice Guy flag if you've put this girl ahead of everything else in your life. And what's very dangerous about this, what's very dangerous, Kev, is that it doesn't happen consciously. No man walks into a relationship at the beginning with this exciting young woman in his life and goes, yeah, I'm going to make her my purpose. No, because early in the get, to attract that kind of girl into your life, you couldn't have operated with that mentality. She would have, she would have smelt that need and she would have smelt that Mr. Nice Guy kind of vibe and it would have turned her away right from the get. So you're obviously at a place in the beginning here. And like you're talking here, you're talking to me saying it was definitely a fun time. We're dancing, drinking, got that old pizza right there. Shit, I haven't had pizza in fucking... Where's the last time I had pizza? It's almost a year. I would say it's been almost a year since I had pizza. The way that I know is because I remember the last time, the last boot camp, it was after a boot camp that I did last year around, I think it was May, May or March. It's been a long time, pizza. <laughs> I don't crave it though because of the, the way I eat now. You just don't get those cravings. But Okay, huge tangent. But You know, he said, we'll, we'll do some more pizza talk next time. We'll do some more pizza next time. <laughs> But he's saying to me, he's having a fun time, so he's dancing, he's drinking. And look at the the nonchalant way in which Kev has described the sexual play between him and her. He's described it as, you know, we're making out with her. Let me get the exact words here. Making out whenever her and I had the chance. You know, it's it's so non-attached. It's so just flowing with the vibe. You're just going with the stream of things. I love it. I love it. It puts my mind at ease to know that you're operating like that. I love it. So if you're operating on that right now, that's what's attracting C right now. So the danger is not what's happening right now. The danger is that the neediness and the Mr. Nice Guy vibe comes in unconsciously. It happens that maybe for the first week, maybe for the first two weeks, you maintain your principles as a direct, congruent, and authentic man, and that you do have your life hierarchy in the correct order, in which that your purpose comes above everyone and anyone else, and everything else. And this is not just with girls, like it's, you know, maybe some crazy feminist might get that wrong, think, oh, well, everything else comes above the woman. No, it's like everything, it's family, your friends, like none of this stuff should get above whatever it is you need to do in this life. Because if you aren't getting after that first and foremost as your number one each and every single day, then you cannot service everything else in your life to the best of your knowledge and to the best of your abilities. Because this hole that you have by not servicing your purpose in life, it afflicts everything else. So at the moment, you probably don't have that misalignment of life hierarchy at least not in such an outward-facing way, at least in not such a way that is deterring this girl enough for her to pick up on it. But what happens in time is that if you make this girl your one and only, you make this girl your all and everything above your purpose in life, then by default, you've created an attachment. You've created an unhealthy attachment. And a girl was asking me about this the other day. She was asking me about what's so wrong with having an attachment to your partner? It's a very interesting question. Actually, several girls have been asking me about this. I'm just thinking of faces now and a couple of videos I sent on a couple of DMs about this question of is having an attachment or relationship necessarily such a bad thing? Like, why is it such a bad thing? Because if you know my content, I often talk about the dangers of attachment. I often talk about how it is the precursor. It is the seed from which such unhealthy weeds of mindset start to grow from and where hold up you know the seed of attachment is definitely where the weed of neediness grows from and so you have to look at what attachment means because an attachment in the way that i have described it and always will describe it i guess is always with that negative connotation it's very hard to to find a positive connotation with attachment and i think some girls get that uh, mixed up, or at least the girls that I've been talking to get that mixed up. They think that they interchange the word attachment with commitment. And I think those are two very different things. I think you have to separate what attachment is from commitment. It's just that I've noticed that a lot of girls seem to marry the two together, that they use them interchangeably. But having a commitment to your partner is a very different thing to having an attachment. Yet some girls will say to me, it's like, what's so wrong with having an attachment? Well, everything. Literally everything. There is literally everything wrong with having an attachment to your partner. 
Because what that says to me is that you're no longer able to walk on your own. That you need this person to make you. That your purpose in life has now succumbed to putting this person above it. And that when you do that to someone, not only is that a tremendous amount of pressure, not only does that eventually start to push that person away because it shows to them that you aren't the person that I signed up to. You weren't the woman or you weren't the man that I signed up to that was crushing on his purpose in life, that was waking up each and every single morning knowing what they had to get after. And you lose that because you made me that. And in the short-term way, the ego fucking loves that. And relationships, in relationships off the beginning in that honeymoon time period, that's why it doesn't fuck with it too much because our egos love it. Our egos love to have someone else look at us, to see us and go, I want you to be my all and everything. And you go, fuck yes, that feels so good, it's so warm, it's so safe. But then once the passion of that dies down and you're just living your day-to-day life and this chasm, this this Marianas trench of lack, this deep unfulfillment because you are not harvesting on your purpose each and every single day, tilling the soil, building your temple, sharpening your blade, because that's not happening, you start to, these holes These holes start to form in your psychology, in your psyche, in your way of being. And so you start to resent that person because of that. And all of a sudden you realize that you bought into it as well. It's not just them to blame. You bought into it as well. It's a two-way street here. Yes, while the other person did make you their, their purpose in life, you also agreed to that. You also agree to that. Maybe you didn't sign on the dotted line saying that, oh yeah, I'm happy for this to happen. Because of course, it's course. this is my whole point here is that it's not necessarily happening consciously. It's an unconscious agreement that couples make when they get into relationships, which is that we will service each other's egos by making each other our all and everything. And this, because it feels amazing, because it feels fantastic. But then when the passion dies away and we're just living our lives and you, we know each other on a depth that no one else knows each other, We know each other's ins and outs. We know each other's deepest fears, dreams, desires, wishes to see come to fruition in this life. And so it's just you and I now. And the only thing that's going to push this forward is are we still growing? That's the only thing that's going to keep us and keep that well of fulfillment filled. And so that we can keep drawing bucket after bucket from this well of fulfillment if we are continuously growing. And this is something that I see, Kev. This is something that I see with people that get into relationships is that if they do not address this and that they they get their hierarchies wrong, their life hierarchy is off, then that well dries up. The well dries up. And and it's like, this is the deeper thing. We got, I had to cut the shit really quick. I had to dive deeper really quick here. Because I feel like you know my shit even a little bit better than, uh, hold on, what the fuck's going on my screen here? Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully this is still recording. It is. I think it is. I think it's because my uh, speaker dropped off for a second. Hopping up to that Disney. I know you know my shit, so I think we've just, we've just got to the real shit real quick here. Uh, I apologize to those of you that are new that maybe it seems like I'm, skipping over some pretty fundamental huge topics here and just talking as if you should already know this but I guess we're at Potter 95 now <laughs> I can't just I, I don't want to take an entire 15 20 minutes to explain a whole bunch of these concepts that I have entire podcasts on so that's why we're getting we're getting to it ain't nothing to it but to do it as Ronnie Coleman would say uh. So, so let's just bring this back in here. Let's bring this back into his question of, is there a way for you to show C that you care without turning into that dreaded needy nice guy? Absolutely. The greatest way to show your potential relationship partner, the greatest way to show your partner that you care is by putting them in the correct hierarchy of your life. You really need to let that feel into yourself. You really need to let that just absorb. The best way to show someone that you care is that you service them in the best way possible. And the way that you serve them in the best way possible is by not deluding yourself into thinking that you could ever make them your purpose in life. Because that, my friend, is a paper wall that has no structure, that has no grounding. It could be torn away in a minute. It could be torn away by the fact that she finds a guy next week that she's more attracted to than you. Paper wall is done. You thought it was a strong wall. 
excuse me, you thought it was something grounded, but it's not. It's not. Like when when you when you place someone in that light, you are giving them way more power than they ever not only wanted but also ever deserved. None of us deserve the power to be someone else's purpose in life because we could never fulfill that. You know, that power is reserved for one thing in my mind, and that is why you wake up each and every single morning. That's the only thing that in my mind, you know, back, if you want to go back to the ancients, you want to go back to the Diamond Sutra, you want to go back to various and philosophies that talk about uh, your Dharma, right? And for those of you that are not in on this, like the Dharma can be translated into uh, actually many different ways. There's many ways of interpreting that word. But some of the most common ways of interpreting Dharma is your duty, your calling, your mission, your reason for being, so to speak, depending on uh, which era you even come from. Even within Buddhism philosophy, which era of Buddhism you come from, they'll interpret it differently, but it all comes with that nature of word. And that, in my mind, is the only thing that can that can do justice to that level of power. You can it's the only thing that I can see that you could give such power to, that you could give your all to, that you could, so to speak, become attached to. But this is an interesting thing that uh even your Dharma is not something to become attached to. As uh the Buddha referred to in the Diamond Sutra, uh the Dharma is no Dharma, and that's Something that is not for this conversation, for sure. You, that's gonna say you. I haven't even got my mind wrapped around that yet. Let alone, uh, do we have the time nor the specifics to talk about it in this podcast? But you know, so even then, with the attachment. So yes, absolutely, Kev. You can show this girl that you care, and you show her that you care by number one, putting her in the correct position in your life hierarchy, because it may seem like. The greatest way of showing the girl that you care is by putting her as number one. In the short term, yes. In the long term, no. In the long term, that will only push her away because it will degrade yourself. You will degrade yourself. You will not continue to go to work in your temple each and every single day. You will let your fitness, your physical slide. You will let your mental slide. You will let the reason for why you're waking up slide and all your relationships will suffer because of this. First and foremost, for sure, the girl that you're sexually intertwined with so you are not in the long-term servicing her needs best in that way. So the best thing to do is definitely, you can show a girl commitment. And this is what I was talking about before about the attachment commitment thing that a couple of girls were getting in on with me. Uh, not in an aggressive way, but they were just confused. And I think they were just mess. It's, it's interesting because I haven't heard guys confuse this word. I think it was it's more of a female uh, thing that I've just I've noticed from the people I've talked to, just not speaking, just speaking in generalities here. Being committed to a girl, if you decide that with C right now, and this is actually going to segue us real good into whether you should continue relationships, continue talking with other girls, uh, should, and I love that you even brought that up. I love that you brought that up because it's definitely something that needs to be talked about. But tagging this up and finishing this point up here, if you decide that I want to go deeper on her because we're feeling each other, our interests seem to be aligned and that we just wanted something long-term we want to uh, get out of the old casual game and you want to just kind of double down with this girl and she wants to double down with you, absolutely, show her that commitment. Show her that commitment and you can care for her in that way. And if that's something that you want to explore through right now because you have explored what it's like to know yourself in relation to others, you've been through other casual relationships, you've been through an open style relationship with this girl as well. With this girl as well, like I would not recommend that you enter a straight monogamous relationship with this girl without spending some time in an open space with her, just to see what she's like, just to see what you're like with her, just to see what this is. And it doesn't even have to necessarily be that long. You know, there, there are some some girls that you know that you've been in a casual relationship for just a week, two weeks, and you know, I, I want to spend a lot more time with this girl. I want this girl to be number one. That's good. That's fine. As long as it started open. As long as you at least didn't delude yourself and go, no, I'm sure it'll be fine. I'm sure it'll be fine. We don't need to start. We don't need to see each other in relation to other people. We don't need to see what this person's like uh, under under the light of no attachment. Under the light of, well, how do you handle me? How do you? How do? How do we handle each other when we know that we're seeing other people? What type of mindsets pop up when that happens? 
you know, I don't, you don't want to get so deluded as to thinking you know what that person's going to be like. Test it. Test it for sure. Let me reset here. So you test you go on that way first, but then afterwards you decide she's passed and we passed each other more, so to speak, uh, so to speak, I should say, then absolutely go in and dive deeper on her and you can show her commitment in that way and that will show you that you care. And that's number two. But never forget that number one is making sure that you have your correct life hierarchy in order. That is the best way to show a girl that you do care without turning into that dreaded Mr. Needy Nice Guy. That's it. Buck stops there. You know, we can talk about micro shit because that's that might seem a little too macro. But in my opinion, in this specific realm of social interaction and this particular topic we're talking about in terms of human interaction, the macro is everything and the macro will take care of the micro here. I think it would be incorrect and I just not the way I think about this particular thing. It's not to say that there aren't other things in social development and social interactions that I will start with micro. There are. And the macro affects the micro in the same way that the micro affects the macro. But depending on what it is, there's often a different change of percentage as to where you want to start. And for me, the micros are being a, a, uh, a Mr. Needy Nice Guy. I feel like they are taken care of if you've got your macro positioning and your macro mental positioning in line first. You know, we could have talked about how, well, don't, don't be over-calling her. Don't, don't be trying to spend every single second, every single day, every single week with her and never letting her have space to grow on her own and never letting her go out to her, be with her friends. And, you know, uh, don't stop yourself from speaking to other people. So all these like micro things. But in my mind, like all that shit gets taken care of if you have your life purpose in order. If you have your hierarchy in order, you just don't have time for that shit. You, that stuff doesn't happen. They, they, those are more symptoms to me of the root cause of being a purposeless person. If you don't have purpose, you don't have power. And without power, you are going to reach into areas of weakness, weak, weak actions such as Meeting, needing Mr. Nice Guy mentalities, trying to box this girl in, try to stop her from growing, try to always be with her and always need her with you at all times, right? Always keeping this overly vigilant eye on her. All that stuff in my mind melts away when your life hierarchy is in order. So you start with the macro. And yeah, there are definitely things where uh, we'll do, we'll go on the reverse. Typically with tactics of dating. Tactics of dating, we we sometimes... Spend more time on the micro, but even then, not so much. At the very least, it's 50-50. So I think that saddles it up. And it was going to organically segue us now, actually, which is a good thing. Yeah, look at this. And so now, because the second question you asked me was a more micro-tactical thing in terms of, despite the deeper bubble brewing of C, should I still keep an open communication with Y and other potential girls to avoid the neediness? guy traits from taking over so it's almost like we kind of just that's pretty organic actually that's pretty sweet i like that uh so this is a very good question this is a very good question we kind of touched on it we kind of touched i briefly i breezed over it but i feel that this is going to be dependent upon whatever agreement you come to with c because if C decides that we just want straight hardcore monogamy and or that's what she decides for herself and would like you to join her in that and you decide that's also something that you want, then you can't have it both ways. My friend, you can't have it both ways. You either have to say to her that this is going to be an open, free relationship in which that I want you to be able to speak to, have sexual experiences with other people and I want to be able to do the same and we'll keep growing and we can definitely make each other each other's number one within that. Like if you're seeing three to four different girls at any one time, there's always going to be one girl that is your number one, so to speak. That's, and actually this is something that has been a common trait amongst people running polygamous relationships throughout the history of time. And uh, Matt Ridley spoke about this very well. He really, he really enlightened my mind to this back in the day, uh, back in the day. Well, back throughout uh, ancient, ancient civilizations in his book, The Red Queen. And there's a, uh, you know, there, there's some, there was some ridiculous things going on with like, I, I don't remember their exact names, but Montezuma was one of them. There's a, a few Chinese emperors 
And actually, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it because it's actually very interesting. I'm just going to pop into my Evernote here and find out this note from uh, the Red Queen. Because I'm what I'm talking about here is the just the harems they had was ridiculous. And this will segue me into the point of what I'm actually getting at. Uh, let me get to this. Here we go. Here we go. I wrote down these stats. So this is from page 191 in the Red Queen. The Emperor's Genes. Uh, he was discussing how back in the day when he was talking about polygamy and what it, what it, what it was like was essentially that very the very few powerful men had the monopoly over pretty much all the women and so there was a small bunch of small bunch of men very powerful men in high p- powerful positions you're talking about emperors here you're talking about the lords and whatnot and they controlled the most of the sexual opportunities which left the vast majority of the rest of the male population pretty damn scarce and were very uh it was like a blue moon that they would be able to procreate in that sense so that most of the genes were coming from really one line one line one family line one family source which is why a lot of people can trace their family lineage back to uh emperors back to royalty because they're most likely most of us right now are most likely descendants of some emperor some royalty and it's that's interesting that's an interesting thing about Genghis Khan actually is that it's estimated that even though the ridiculous amount of people that uh lost their lives at at his hand at his uh his conquering he's also said to have populated the world with just as many people you know like it's not like i don't know if the exact statistics but i've 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 whether it was in the documentary the Genghis Khan the BBC one or i heard it somewhere i read it somewhere else which is that despite the destruction that he caused the amount of people that he just that uh his armies uh destroyed he's also responsible for populating the earth with just as many people with the uh the uh the rampant sexuality so anyways i find this stuff fascinating so the emperor's genes i just wrote down some stats here that uh so Bab- the babylonian king Ham- hamurabi 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 had thousands of slave wives the Egyptian pharaoh Akhmaten had 317 concubines and droves of consorts. Uh, the Aztec ruler Montezuma had 4,000 concubines. This is thousands we're talking about here. And for those, and this, this is my point, don't worry, I have not lost the point of why I'm talking about this, because the word concubine is, is actually the key word there. Indian emperor Udayama had 16,000 consorts kept in apartments ringed by fire and guarded by eunuchs uh the chinese emperor feiti feiti i should say had ten thousand women in his harem we're talking about thousands here thousands right and and the children of these emperors as well had sexual duties they had they had to fuck with these with these uh consorts and these harem based women several times a day to produce as many offspring as possible from the royal line now the reason why i mentioned this coming back to the concubine thing is that and actually there is a fantastic book i think it's called the white swan i'll fucking get this i will fucking get this hold on because i read this in high school in chinese in like year eight in chinese class by the way, I wish I got straight D's and completely failed because they put me in the wrong class. They put me in the advanced class. But uh, even though I didn't speak a word of Chinese, they only did that because I'm half Asian. Racist much? <laughs> oh, shit. You can't get away with that today. You can't get away with that today, but you could back that. Um, <laughs> tangents are tangents. Don't worry. I'm still with it. Um, I think it's called The White Swan. I'm just going to type into Google here, The White Swan Chinese Concubine. Because the reason why I'm mentioning this, Kev, and the reason why I'm mentioning this, people, uh, Wild Swan, Wild Swans, the Three Daughters, that could be it. Black Swan, Review the White Swan, White Wild Swans, maybe Three Daughters of China. Let me just read this. Describe description. The story is three generations of China that. Mm, no, that's not it. That's not it. Oh, fuck. It was... Oh, maybe... The Three Daughters of China? I don't think that's it. I don't think that's it. Chinese concubine book. I'm just going to type that in. Because the reason why I'm bringing this up, I feel like it's important to get this. 
The reason why I'm bringing this concubine thing up is because that there is a always going to be a number one. That's why I brought this whole shit up. That even with these emperors, like uh, diving back here, even with the Chinese emperor, Fei Chi, who had 10,000 women in his harem, there was always a number one. There was always the... the well, in some different cultures, they refer to her as different things. You often see this in African tribes as well that are polygamous, that there is a senior a senior wife. Some of them refer to as senior wives, I believe. And then there was mistresses. Or there is the, uh, there's the queen, which is a more commonly known one. You know, a lot of these emperors would have the queen, but also have be fucking 10,000 other women in his harem as well. But there was always this idea of, of there being one. And it was this confusion between... This confusion between... Uh, an extremely rampant polygamous style of sexuality, but a romantic and romanticized idea of always having one, which is something that we've always, as human beings, when you look into the history of it, has been something that has popped up quite a bit. And this is what I love about Matt's uh, book, The Red Queen, in tandem with Sex at Dawn. Hold on. It's what I love about this because, because in Sex at Dawn, it's, it's a tremendous book. It's a tremendous book for understanding particularly female sexuality and eliminating the misconceptions around female sexuality and how we always thought that women weren't sexual beings and that they, the only reason why they had sex was to further the line, to, to procreate, and they didn't derive any sexual pleasure at all from the act of sex. That's what we used to think. How ridiculous. How ridiculous. And there's... so. Even if you don't agree with polygamy, that side of the book itself is uh, it's irrefutable. It's quite, it's quite irrefutable. It's, it's very enlightening. But So with that, it goes very hard, and they go very hard in the direction of uh, different research that it points to us being polygamous beings. But I feel that Matt does a better job overall in terms of amassing almost like a meta-analysis of all the studies, of all of civilization across most of our evolutionary development, that we have research on, and he draws he draws just a more balanced perspective. Not to say that I didn't... I, I Listen, I love Sex at Dawn, but I felt that the Red Queen was something that just had a more balanced perspective. And there was one line he said in it that kind of sums it up. It's that human beings are opportunists, that we will take what we can get, and that if we can find a way to be polygamous, we will be. But if polygamy is not a good option right now, we will be monogamous and that we are opportunists and that this is very much evidenced by the uh, rich and powerful few that could monopolize and could be polygamous and uh, have these ridiculous thousands of people harems and <laughs> pretty much starve all the other men in society and just, just further their genetic line because they could, just because they could. Now, whatever it is to say that we are more suited towards monogamy or polygamy there's a lot of debate it's very much a debate it's a very interesting debate as well but my whole reason for bringing this up of course was the idea of concubines and that with a concubine and that's why i want to bring up this white swan thing and i'm trying to think was it the jade swan was it the white swan it was a book that i read in year eight in uh in chinese study it was chinese literature and it was a study it was it was a book i think it was a novel it could have been a novel. I think it was a novel. It, I don't think it was a true story, but I feel like, well, maybe it was. Maybe it was a true story. Either way, you could, even if it was fiction, you could see it very much being a just a reflection. You know, there's a couple books like that. Uh, like, for example, City, The City of Thieves by David Benioff. That's a fiction-based book, but it's kind of not because it's based on the stories that his grandpa that his grandpa went through. So while it is, there was a lot of made-up things in it, it's based on the reality of what was happening at the time. And that is very similar to this white swan. For some reason, I think it's a white swan. Maybe it's not. Um, the concubine's children, wives and concubines, the concubine, the last empress. I'm just looking on Google here for these different Chinese concubine books. I'll, I'll let it go. I'll, I'll let it go if I can't find uh, popular concubine books. I'll let it go if I can't find it here. I just want to really, I'm really trying to do this for my own sake because I feel like I, I want to reread it now. I actually want to reread this book. I'll find it afterwards. Listen, guys, because it's probably going to be hard for me. Uh, the Jade Swan? 
Otherwise, this is not made for the best podcasting. So I'm just the concubine by Jade Lee. What I'll do is I'll put it in the show notes afterwards because I feel like this is going to be is it's 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 interesting though. Like how many titles are popping up here for um for different concubines, different concubine uh, stories. It was a big thing in China. It was a huge thing. It was a, and it has been across many different many different race uh, cultures. This idea of having uh, the senior yeah, I'm not going to be able to find it, so I'm going to leave this now. I'm going to leave this, but I'll find it. If if I find it afterwards, I'll chuck it in the show notes, okay? I hate that. I hate that, though, because I want to get it now. That's this is just like my personality. I want to dive in on it. But, yeah, it was, it was a book that I read. It was really my first introduction to this idea that you would have a family situation in which that the man of the household would have his wife or the number one, but then there would be other women that he was sleeping with that would live with him. Like two or three different girls, three, four different girls. And that was the premise of this White Swan, Jade Swan, whatever book it was that I read in year eight Chinese literature. Not in Chinese, but, and it was very interesting. And it just detailed the, I think it was the story of one of the concubines and the the story that she went through and the journey that she went through being the second fiddle or the third fiddle to the main uh, mistress, or to, sorry, to the main wife and how they all played subordinate to that. And I guess d- diving right back here, the whole reason why I brought up this whole stuff about uh, Emperor uh, Feiji and uh, Hammurabi and uh, Montezuma, who's had thousands and thousands of women in his harems, it's just crazy to think of. Like, because it's not, it, it's not exaggerated. It's not like, we're not just like chucking these numbers around. These are like recorded numbers. They, they especially the Chinese, they have records. They have records of the names and the dates of which these fuck parties and sessions would happen and the duties that the royal family would have to perform in terms of sexual duties of like two girls a day, every single day. And you have to, and all these babies being born. And it's just like records of records of records keeping. It's not stuff that's just made up, which is fascinating to me. And bringing it all back, the whole reason why I brought this up, Kev, is because if you decide with C that you want to go deeper with her, with the open, uh, yeah, we're talking about the open relationship. So I'll I'll just go back to that for a second, that you have to make a decision though, because I guess that's not really, that's not really our society in this day. I I don't know anyone. I haven't attempted to do it myself yet. But no, that's no no. It was, it was I was talking about how in the open relationships that there it's not quite a concubine situation. It's not quite, but there is elements of it in which that you have if you're seeing three to four girls at one time, there is always going to be one that's going to be your number one. There is always going to be one that is going to draw you to them a little bit more. You want to spend a little bit more time with them. You just feel a deeper connection with purely based on contrast, just based on contrast. Because if you're seeing four different girls, you're going to just be able to see, well, which one do I like more out of the four? This, there's never been a time where I've seen multiple girls at one time and I've liked each as much as each, like equally as much as each other. This it's just, you know, it's just chemistry. It's like, do you, even if it's only like as close as like a hair, like you're splitting hairs, there's still a hair to be split. Everyone's unique and we have a different relationship with everyone. So if you want to go down the open relationship path with C, you could definitely do that. You could make her your number one and you could say to her, well, you still got to see other people. I'll still see other people, but we can, we can spend a little more time with each other. But note that it's a temporary stipulation. It's a temporary clause because as you can see, if we play the long ball here and we play the long game, if you make one girl in a open relationship style where you're seeing a few different girls, the number one, eventually that seed will start to grow. Eventually she'll start to get used to being the number one and taking precedent over the other girls you're seeing. And that will start to make her feel more special. And that will start to show her that you're going in deep with her. And, you know, a lot of guys might think and a lot of girls might think here that eventually that girl just wants to be the only Eventually, she just wants to be your only, the only girl you're seeing. Eventually, yes and no, yes and no. I would say big yes, little no. I would say big yes. Most girls probably have that mentality, but little no because there's always going to be that two out of ten that have no, 
no, I, no preconceived notion, no desire to be your one and only. They are very much just as happy as you are to be living in this just open style free. And even if we have made each other our kind, our number ones at the moment in an open style, it doesn't mean that that's what I want it to be as a monogamous style going down the journey. So we never assume that. We've got to look at our partner, read them, know them, speak to them, open and honest communication just to work out is that what our partner really wants. And that's actually a really interesting thing when we talk about caring for our partners and what of escape of relationship it is. You really want to understand them as best you can right from the beginning. You want to know is, is this the type of person that if I make C this girl see if I make her in an open style and we go into open style and but I still make her the number one is she the type of person that eventually is going to attach to that gonna run a run with that because if she is maybe we shouldn't walk this at all or maybe or maybe we should walk this but I just keep an even closer eye on that basket of eggs and it's this awareness I'm talking about it's this understanding and knowing your partner it's it's crucial it's absolutely crucial because really what I'm talking about here is, you know, this is this is actually what I was talking about at the beginning of the potter. At the beginning of the potter, I was talking about how you can have, how you can still show her that you care. This is one of the greatest ways of showing someone that you care is that you have this extreme level of empathy, understanding, and awareness for where they're at. Because when you can do that for someone, you make less mistakes. You don't fall into this blindness. You know, but there is no blind leading the blind. There is no turning a blind eye and turning a cheek away from, you know, this is one thing. This is one thing. Like I said before that we don't often consciously make these mistakes. We don't consciously choose to cultivate the needs of seediness and the needs of attachment. It's something that happens unconsciously as we manifest certain behaviors in these relationships and then perpetuate them. But through the perpetuation of these behaviors, when we we t- we are essentially turning the blind eye. We are essentially turning the cheek to them and we ignore them. We ignore them, if not consciously ignoring them, but more so unconsciously by, in an indirect way, choosing to do the opposite. Choosing to not enact that self-awareness, to not have these questions, to not have these conversations that I'm currently talking about with you right now, Kev. If you can just do this for her, then that is an extreme level of care that most girls probably have not received from any of their partners. You know, that's a common thing. That's a common thing that, hold up. It's a common thing that I often hear my clients refer back to me as to what girls have been saying to them when they've learned these principles, when they're going hard on these direct and grew and authentic principles, is that I'll often hear the feedback from girls is that they'll tell these guys, I've never seen a guy that has cared this much about the success of our relationship. Because of the level of awareness, because of the level of empathy, because of their concern to be conscious about everything that goes on within our relationship, what that communicates to the girl is that this guy cares more than anyone else that I've ever seen about the success of this relationship. And within that, that is how... That is how making her subordinate to your purpose in life and making sure that your purpose in life is always number one is never an issue. It's never an issue because when you are able to make your purpose number one in your life and that you set the correct hierarchy in your life, it allows you to give this power. It puts you in that position, that mental framework of that I want to now service all of my relationships, my sexual relationships, my family relationships, my friendships, business relationships, all these different things, the people I'm mentoring, my my youngest, my kohai, right? I want to service them as best as I can because I've just got this drive for life and that my hierarchy is in correct order. And see how that's what we start with the macro because we've been talking about micros. We've been talking about the Hammurabis. We've been talking about the concubines. We've been talking about those micro, the micro stuff of making one girl your number one and then having girls know. Now, I know this is the next question. I know this is the next question that a lot of guys will ask, even girls actually. Actually, girls will ask this. This is a very interesting thing. This is a very interesting thing from the female perspective that I probably have not spoken on much. How should a girl respond to a guy saying that you aren't the number one? Because that might be something that will pop up with your conversation with C here that say that you guys, okay, we're getting this open relationship together, but we're going to make each other slightly more special. You're going to be my, so to speak, my senior wife, 
and not one of the concubines in that analogy. Of course, that's not what the terminology I suggest using, but unless you want to be an emperor, that's okay, fine, but it's not what I'm talking about here. Uh, what if, say, why? Let's, let's, let's transition to the why conversation here in terms of the other girl. Because you've asked me here, should I still keep having open communication with why? Let's say it's more than just open communication, but you guys also have a sexual relationship as well. But why? But it's not a good. It's not a good letter. It's, it is not a good letter for our conversation here because why sounds like the word why. So I'm going to give her a different name here. I'm just going to call her the other girl. I'm not going to refer to her as why because it's because I use that word a lot. I, why is one of my favorite words to use. So I'm not going to refer to her as why. From this point in the conversation, we're just going to call her the other girl. If the other girl comes to you and says. Uh, actually, you know, I'm starting to feel you a bit more now. I'm starting to get a little bit deeper in you right now. How are you going to have that conversation with her to let her know that actually C is my number one? That's something you have to think about. That's something you think about. And so let's put that there. And also there's another thing we're going to talk about here is how does that other girl handle being told that she can't be the number one? So you see, there's an interplay of of communication here that has to be had regardless must be had well actually not not regardless and not has to be had because it really just is based on your principles in life i know many a guy that would listen to what i just said and go what are you talking about adam why do i have to tell her at all why can't i just like fool her into thinking that that uh she is the number one and just make both girls think that they're the number one you know there's many a guy that have no care or concern for the girls that they're speaking with do not have this level of empathy that would be just fine doing that now i am not here to judge your morality i'm not here to judge your principles in life if that's if that's how you want to roll that's how you want to roll is it how i roll no absolutely not is that how i uh instruct my students and my clients no absolutely not because what from what i've seen is that if you treat women like trash it eventually is going to reflect upon your own life and your life will become trash. Women are mirrors, right? People are mirrors. The way that you behave with all beings in this life is only a reflection of who you are. And that uh, whatever's coming out from the internal cannot be sequestered. Whatever is manifesting inside will be manifested externally. So I would recommend if you wish to have a harmonious life, you should also act in your relationships harmoniously as well. Treat people with the respect that you would ask them to respect you with. Huh? Seems like common sense, right? But it's not because there's many a dickhead. <laughs> there is many a dickhead. And I, I say that I say that with a laugh because that's my judgment of them. And I told you that I wasn't judging their morality. So I say that tongue in cheek. Like you know, most people wouldn't most people wouldn't give me too hard of a time saying that a guy that's fooling both girls by saying that oh no you're both my number one most guy most people would not give me a hard time if i told if i said to them that guy's a bit of a dickhead but actually like when i think about it when i think about it it's not my position to judge his morality it's not i'm not interested in doing that i'm not interested in doing that because you live your life i'm not here to tell you how to live your life all I would say, though, is that a person who takes that mentality and takes that framework of mind, he's going to see some tremendous storms into his life, for sure. Or hers, or hers as well. I know girls that do this. I know a couple girls that do this, actually. You know, I'm, I'm always uh, painting the dickheads as guys, as guys that make these, uh, these, uh, these things. But no, girls aren't perfect either. I know plenty of girls that, play, that are players, that, are, that play that mindset, so to speak, that are you know, playing one guy off the other. It's, that's another thing we don't really talk about. I love playing both angles here. I've got to do a better job of it as well. To not just always use the standard example of, well, guys particularly do this. And I guess we do that because we talk in generalities, but uh, it happens both ways for sure. So coming back here, how does, how does Kev have this conversation with the other girl in letting her know that she isn't going to be the number one? Well, he does it in the same way that he does it with everyone. And that the way that he is with everyone is the way that he is with anyone. And the talk and the conversation he had with C to tell her that we're going to have this open, but I want to see if we can, you, you'll be my kind of special. 
special in the sense that I know that we have a deeper connection that I have with anyone else and that we need to see each other in relation to each other for just a little bit more, right? But make no mistake, I, I, I am feeling you, so that is there. Let's not lie about that. That open, direct, honest communication has to be had with why you can with why with the other girl. If you wish to have a harmonious relationship with her and to have her not be fooled, you have to tell her. You have to tell her straight up because the only other option is that you lie to her. And in which case, if you lie to her, it's going to affect your relationship with the other girl. It's going to affect your relationship with everyone in your life. So that's just what happens with people that that mask these things and that lie. That it's just it's it's such a it's such a house of cards. It's going to fall over at some point. Just a small breeze comes through your life. It's going to destroy it. It's going to destroy it. So you let her know. And also, what does this come back to? It comes back to you being the abundant man and the abundant mindset in which that if Y isn't happy with that, like let's say, let's play it out. Let's say that Y is not happy at all with knowing that she is playing second fiddle, that she is one of the concubines, so to speak. So to speak, being the operative phrase there. Of course, I'm not referring to her as an actual concubine, but based on this conversation, you know what I mean? So if she's not happy with that and she goes, well, if I can't be the number one, if I can't be the special one, then I'm out. Then you have to be just as happy with that as if she said, I'm fine with that. It's such a key crucial thing that all people acting from a place of scarcity and people that are acting from a place of, I need this person in my life, they will never engage that behavior because they are just far too scared of losing that person. But it is your scarcity of losing that person that withholds you from ever experiencing the true power of an abundant relationship with that person. Because the abundant power that comes from knowing that I don't need you and you don't need me, that is what allows the true blossoming of a relationship between two human beings. Holy shit, you just just take that. Please take what I just said and just somewhere in your heart, somewhere in your being, just lock it away and never forget it. Like I I'm 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 if there's any one thing, if there's any one thing that from this pod, potter right now that I feel like that, forget the rest of this potter, but you just listen to that one previous phrase, that one previous little block, that's it. It's like, that's it. That sums up everything here. It sums up everything. It is such a goddamn high note. So that is that is where we are wrapping, that is where we will start to wrap this up and sum it up because there, there is a few little things I want to tag up for sure. Holy shit, do I want to get that book back, by the way. I know it's like, I know I'm, I'm jumping out of nowhere with it, but what is the, the, I just remember now it's like, even though I hated the book at the time because I hated how I was put in a class, I hated how I was put in the advanced class uh, in Chinese. Like, okay, let me just paint the story out for a second because it's probably, I breezed over it. Basically, when you go to high school in, uh, at least in my high school in Maryville in um, Australia, in year eight, like going from uh, primary school, I did a little bit of Chinese, like a little bit, but not much at all. It was in, we 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 did French, we did French for the most part. But I did I took like two we did like two specialist Chinese classes in the entire time throughout primary school. So I had no knowledge. You could consider me no knowledge of prior Chinese. And then when you got into high school and you had to select a language, it was either going to be Chinese, Japanese, or French. Yeah, it was those three in Maryville. I chose Chinese just because I had done a little bit. I took like two classes in primary school, but I chose the beginner's class. But because they filled up the beginner's class and that there was no more room, they slotted me into the advanced class, the prior knowledge class, all because I had a, an Asian last name, all because I was half Asian, even though I had no idea. Like, I'm English first language. I had no idea about Chinese. So I rock into this Chinese class, and everyone's already with the Ni Hao Ma. <laughs> Hold on a second. Man, everyone's already coming in with that Ni Hao Ma. Everyone's already in with the She She. And I'm just like, what? What is this? What is going on here? And more so than the speaking, it's the writing. And people already know stroke order, and people are, people are already starting to conversate. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on here and so i start like going through these tests straight d d after d after d by the way for those of you that are not in australia the way that the grading system goes is that it goes it goes a b c d and e e is a complete and utter failure that's like is in terms of a test that's like zero to ten out of a hundred and i think like a d is like 
anything under it's like 10 to 50 what is it is it i can't remember now so going back so far but a fail a fail is a d so it's 50 and under yeah 50 points out of 100 and under but an e is like barely even made the effort to write your name so it's like they give you a bit of room there but so i was like i was getting straight d's and then finally finally at the end of the first term i'm like this is ridiculous my like I can't remember, I can't believe how advanced this is for a beginner's class. And so my mom, I get my mom calls out the highest, because uh, I was a good student. You know, I was not, I was not straight A's, but I was like half A's, half B's, depending on the subject. But I got D's in Chinese, and so she's like, she calls out. My mom's Australian, by the way, not Chinese. Calls out the high school, and she's like, "What the fuck's going on here? Like, why is Adam failing Chinese when it's a beginner's class? This is not right." And and they're just like, oh, it's because we put him in the advanced class. Holy shit! If she if that happened now, the school would probably get. And my mum brought that to the news because of the, how like PC society is now that they did that based purely on my race, just because I had a Chinese name. Oh, we put him in there just because he's uh, half Chinese, half Chinese Malaysian. They would probably get. I don't know what would happen to the school. Probably either that principal would get fired or whoever made that decision get fired. But. They the next semester they corrected it and they slotted me into the beginners class. But what was awesome about that was like going into the hyperbolic dive chamber. When I got put into the actual beginners class, straight A's, just straight A's. Because even though I was failing in the advanced class, that was still leagues ahead, leagues ahead of the beginners. But anyways, what well, I brought that up because I want to explain that story, just because it's it's a good story, a good context, but. In that class, I was we ha- we were asked to read one Chinese literature based book, and it was that Swan book. For some reason, I think it was Swan. I feel like I had something to do with Swan in the title. I will find it now. I hope I can find it. I don't have the book, but it was based on that concubine story. And I remember reading that and reading about that for the first time, and going, "This is very interesting. Very interesting." I don't even know why we decided something with this. But when we really think about it, let's let's tie it up for reals here. When we talk about the macro and micro of being able to get into a relationship with a girl, oh, we kind of actually hold up. Are we even really at the summary? I feel like I've jumped the gun on something here. Because in your question, Kev, of is there a way, when you said there's the way for me to show C that I care about, that I care about turning into that dreaded Mr. Nice guy, and should I still keep the open communication with the other girl and other potential girls to avoid the neediness? We talked, did we talk about getting into the monogamy, the straight monogamy? Not as much. Should we? We had such a high note before though. I just, I'll, I'll do my due, uh, my due duty though. Let me just think, because there is the other, the other play in which that you don't go down the open monogamous mistress concubine style with senior wife thing we just went on for the last 45 30 minutes there is the way in which that you just say to see both of us right now we just want straight monogamy so if let's say you do that we'll wrap up this let's wrap up this let's say you do that and now the question comes in should you still have communication with other girls absolutely just because you are in a monogamous relationship does not mean that you stop speaking to other girls. And if your girlfriend, if your girlfriend somehow gets offended by this, somehow decides, nah, you're not allowed to speak to other girls. We're in a monogamous relationship. Uh, that's that's ridiculous. That's absolutely ridiculous. Like in a lot of my clients in fields, I hear I, I hear a lot of the girls when it comes to closing say things like, and this is legit by the way, they're not lying. That they'll say, oh, I've been in a relationship with this guy for like five years and I don't think he would like it if I'm talking to another guy and that type of stuff. And it's like, what type of monogamous relationship has such strict chains and rules in which that you can't speak to a member of the opposite gender? And I was speaking with a girl, I was, on a, I was out with a girl like a few weeks ago that was telling me that her previous partner would not allow her to speak to other guys. And I'm like, why would you ever enter, allow a relationship like this? This is bullshit. This is ridiculous. But of course, but of course, it's the, it's the drying of the roots mentality. It's that this was, you would never enter a relationship with, with someone like this off the bat. This is something that happens over time. So 
So all I'm saying to you here, right, Kev, is that if you do decide to go down the monogamous of C, make sure you guys know what the what the relationship is. Make sure you have expectations set that you know that, listen, I trust you and you should trust me, that we could we could spend time with members of the opposite gender for great, great amounts of time during the day, whether it be because of work, whether it be because you just have friends with them. You go out to lunch with Sarah, even though you go out to lunch with Sarah and it's not sexualized. And if it ever did start to become sexualized, you could recognize that and come and speak with C. You have that honesty. You have that trust. Because to put these shackles on each other in which that we're going to try and protect each other from any ever forming connection with someone else. And the way that we do that is by locking each other down. You don't speak to another girl. You don't speak to another guy. And then we can preserve this relationship. It's just a fucked up mentality. It's so fucked up. Like you just... It's it's like it's essentially saying that you want to stop learning from other people, and that's how we're going to maintain the pristine nature of our relationship. That's essentially what people are doing when they do that. That's what they're saying when they do that. Please don't enter that. What what? When I say please don't. Please don't if you wish to have a a meaningful, deep, and fulfilling relationship in which you are both focused on growth for the rest of time. That's it. So we wrap that up like a that's tidy. That was real tidy, actually. Oh, yes, this ginger water. Fresh cut ginger, son. So, that's it. This is a great session. This is a great session. This is where we're going to wrap it up. Uh, I feel like I feel like that's it. I feel like that's the summary took a long time, but I feel like that was the sum up. So, listen, I'm parked. I'm going to end this right here. I hope you guys yeah, enjoyed this. The outro will come in a second, but just let just want to let you guys know that I really do appreciate uh, you being here, and, and I do see you all. So thank you. And this has been Poruma95. I'll catch you guys in the outro. Run it, baby. Thank you so much, guys, for diving in on this potter with me. I really appreciate it. If you guys would like to dive in on my deeper immersive education outside of this, hit me up on the website. You can pick up the ebook there. You can book one-on-one Skype coaching there. Ongoing packages in Quiet Within. You can book in for those boot camps. Get the details on that or by bodoj.com. And if you guys would like to support this podcast, you can do so by donating anything you wish through the PayPal link, paypal.me forward slash A-D-A-M-O-O-I. And I'm just so grateful, immensely grateful to anything you guys send that way to support this podcast. It means the world. So thank you so much. And with that being said, if you guys would like to connect with me outside of this potter, on the gram is the best way to do so at Tang one double Tang one slide me your DMs there, slide me your contacts there. Also, on Bordeaux.com, in the About section, you can there's a contact me form there. You can send me your contacts like this guy did in this poto if it's a longer thing. So feel free to do that. And I just I thank you guys so much for being on the journey with me. It's such a time, and I'm wishing you the best on yours. I'm wishing you the best. I see you all. And I wish you nothing but all the peace, all the love, all the joy in this world. Ciao.